I finally felt like I had my feet under the ground. The anxiety wasn't ever present, not nearly to the extent that it used to be. And I felt like I finally was making progress. And yet I was still hearing all this advice out there that was so impractical. It's maybe doable, like you said, if you have a team of people helping you, or if you're, if you don't have kids that you have to take care of and full life. But I was like, where is the advice that puts this all together, that shows you how you can be an ambitious person and do big things in the world and not wreck your health and your relationships at the same time. And I just got sick of the bad advice. And I was like, you know what? It shouldn't be this hard to figure this stuff out. I shouldn't have had to spend so much time and so much money to figure it out. So I just boiled it down to what are the things that really at the heart of it made the biggest difference and not the junk that I just wasted time on or made a little bit of a difference. And I just put it all into the book. And that's why it's just a few good habits because it was a handful of things. I am Shante Javon Taylor, and you are having coffee with the neuroscientist. Welcome to Coffee with a Neuroscientist. I am Shante Javon Taylor, neuroscientist and success trainer, founder of the Optimine Institute. And I am so happy to say we have one of our very own Optimine Institute graduates, certified neuro coaches and leaders, Julie Lowe. Welcome, Julie, to the Coffee with the Neuroscientist podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I am excited as well. Well, you know, I have to ask you first, are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker, Julie? <laughs> Definitely coffee. <laughs> I think about the only time I have tea is if I'm not feeling well. It feels like a, a good warm drink whenever you're not well, but otherwise, yeah, coffee to get me through the days. So. Two peas in a pot here. That's right. <laughs> I just want to share a bit more about who you are. And of course, I want you to talk about your own journey to where you are right now and why you do what you do. Julie Lowe is an author, speaker, and certified high performance coach neuro coach as yeah. well. <laughs> she uses neuroscience-backed practices and teaches ambitious professionals how to prioritize their mindset, health, and relationships without sacrificing the quality of their work and their life, okay? <laughs> Julie's expertise has been featured on Good Morning Washington, The List, Huffington Post, and Yahoo! She has written her very first book called A Few Good Habits that comes out October 5th. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Thank because you. writing a book, I know it requires discipline. It requires habits. It requires your whole brain, essentially. So I really respect you for being able in the midst of being all that you do and who you are to other people, putting this out in the world, because I know so many people are going to benefit from how you convey this knowledge in your book. So welcome, welcome again. Thank you. And I'm so glad you were one of my pre-readers. <laughs> yes, I got a little sneak peek, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that it's going to be good and it's going to resonate not just that, and I have my handy dandy notes here because that's how the, my brain works. What I wanted to say before we even get off into the weeds is that your book, A Few Good Habits, is so relatable 
it literally feels like I'm talking to a friend, like a girlfriend at a coffee shop. And we're just talking about life. We're talking about how to navigate this complex human experience. And so I really appreciate that tone because you don't always get that from personal development books. You don't get the perspective of someone who's really going through what you're going through. Maybe not exactly, but you just understand the family dynamics, the desire to want to be healthy, but not overworked and burnt out at the same time. And you're just keeping it real. And so I just really appreciate how you decided to go about writing this book. And that was important to me because I think there is so much advice out there. This is totally impractical or it comes across in a way that you're like, you can't relate. And you're like, what kind of life are you living (laughs) that you can have these habits and these routines? Because it just, at least for me, didn't feel like real life. So yeah, being relatable is super important to me. Yes. You got so many good lines in there that reference (laughs) reality. Like that's good. If you're a billionaire with a whole team and you (laughs) have to think about all these other things, good for you. Or if you don't have kids or all these different factors, that's your tribe is going to really understand where you're coming from and listen to you. I know in your book, you talk about some of these concepts may sound simple or they may sound like advice you hear all the time, but it's not common practice, as you said, right? It's not common sense, or we don't believe that they work anymore because they don't fit into our narratives. Julie, can you do a couple things for me as I drink my coffee? Yes. (laughs) I want you to share with the audience, how'd you get started on this journey? What led you to write this book? And what should we know about this book? Yeah, it's one of those things where it really took me a while to get to this point where I felt like I was getting my feet under me. I've really struggled with anxiety my entire life. I was that like worry wart kid that like, who knows what I was even concerned about, but I've just always had this like low level anxiety and it didn't get better as I got older. I just had new worries and then the pandemic hit. And a lot of people really, I got stretched to my breaking point. To be quite honest, I was already working probably 50 hour weeks before the pandemic hit and was so busy and so stretched thin. And then now here I am with the kids at home for a year doing virtual school. My youngest was then undiagnosed ADHD. So he was really struggling in the second grade with Zoom learning. And I was constantly being interrupted. And I just hit this point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And I have to figure this out. And I got help in a lot of different ways. But part of what sent me down the path that I'm on now is that I was like, okay, I've been doing mindset work for a decade. (laughs) And I still don't feel like I've got a handle on my mind. And I don't feel like I have a handle on my stress and my anxiety and my emotions. And I'm like, there's got to be like, somebody's figured this out. Like, I'm not the first person to deal with this. And so funny enough, I guess maybe typical high achiever, instead of just reading more books, I am going to join a coaching certification program, like the coaches, the mindset coaches, they must have it figured out. So I didn't even know if I wanted to be a coach yet, but I was like, signed up for this nine month coaching certification because of course, when you're overwhelmed during a pandemic, you take on like a whole other education, right? Of course, that's what you do. <laughs> 
So that's what I did. And during the course of that, I don't regret that at all because during the course of it, number one, I fell in love with coaching, but number two, I realized I was going about it in all the wrong ways. And I know you as a neuroscientist know this, but even as somebody, like I think of a pretty smart woman and have done all this personal development work, I did not know so much about stress. For somebody that had been stressed their whole lives, I really thought of stress and anxiety as a mental process, totally ignoring the nervous system part of the equation, totally ignoring the self-care and the body care that I needed to do to get my stress under control. And I thought once I learned those things, it's like, no wonder, like I've been going about this, just thinking I need to think better thoughts. If I could get my mindset in order, like it would solve my problems. Or if I could just be more productive and wrap up earlier, then I'd have more of a life. I was going about it just in all the wrong ways and ignoring the fact that I was a whole body and not just like a a head floating around. And so it took me a couple of years. It took me thousands of dollars because I was investing in all these coaching certifications. I finally felt like I had my feet under the ground. The anxiety wasn't ever present, not nearly to the extent that it used to be. And I felt like I finally was making progress. And yet I was still hearing all this advice out there that was so impractical. It's maybe doable, like you said, if you have a team of people helping you, or if if you don't have kids that you have to take care of and full life. But I was like, where is the advice that puts this all together, that shows you how you can be an ambitious person and do big things in the world and not wreck your health and your relationships at the same time. And I just got sick of the bad advice. And I was like, you know what? It shouldn't be this hard to figure this stuff out. I shouldn't have had to spend so much time and so much money to figure it out. So I just boiled it down to what are the things that really at the heart of it made the biggest difference and not the junk that I just wasted time on or made a little bit of a difference. And I just put it all into the book. And that's why it's just a few good habits because it was a handful of things. So that's where the book came from. Thank you for sharing your journey and allowing us on that journey with you. I know it can be challenging to ask for help and share those parts of you that haven't always looked upon high, especially when it comes to women, (laughs) right? And so we always feel like we have to keep those things to ourselves and to be the quote unquote strong one, but this is a new era and this is a complex human experience and it's not going to get any simpler because mm-hmm. I'm designed to be simpler. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there is a way to navigate it in a more powerful way. So I would, I just want to honor you on your journey and going through that, the process of figuring it out and giving yourself grace on your learning journey as well. And those books, those personal development books from the 70s and the 80s, those people are still saying the same damn thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And you also have to consider the source, Mm -hmm. okay? So yes, it can help you to appoint some of those concepts and ideas and strategies, But when you start to practically use them and engage them and you fall off the wagon for whatever reason, there's a lot, there's lots of reasons. I go back to this beginning, consider the source, especially if the source may be inadvertently or consciously just shaming people or saying that it's all in your mind, minimizing why you didn't stay consistent, why you didn't keep up 
they wrote it down for you. You went to the, the seminars and the workshops and you, you invested thousands of dollars. It's not me, it's you. And so thank you, more guilt and shame yes. <laughs> for not being able to thrive. Yeah. But when we consider the source of that information, we also have to factor in why it may not be connecting or why our brains are not resonating in such a way that will keep us using those strategies. So I'm glad you were able to boil it down, distill it down into a few good habits that will make a big difference because we don't need 50 billion more things to do, right? To think about and put on our plate. I like to keep things as simple as possible. And what I love about habits in in general is how it doesn't take a lot of mental energy to carry Mm -hmm. out habits. We're habitual creatures by nature, by instinct, by DNA. And there's a reason for that. So we can be more efficient with our time, our energy and our ambitions. But if we don't know how to harness our brain to form the habits that are key to empower us, then it'll make our lives more difficult and we'll keep bashing ourselves for not improving. So why don't you share with us, Julie, the few good habits that you found just for yourself? Because I know you probably put yourself like a mad scientist. (laughs) What were the few that you decided to take on and to allow on your journey to shift? And what were the outcomes? One of the biggest ones for me, and funny enough, it's one of the hardest for me to maintain as a habit, to be completely honest, is exercise. And it's one of those things that there's so much stigma and so much you know, cultural stuff around exercise that a lot of times when we hear exercise, we just think, number one, we know on a certain level, of course, exercise is good for you. Duh, like I knew that. <laughs> and the other thing is though, we often tie exercise just to how we look. It becomes this physical, like aesthetic thing. So if you're not necessarily completely motivated by that, it's really easy to brush off the benefits of exercise, especially if you're just trying to think, long-term big picture of if we're in our 40s and we're thinking about, I want to be in good health when I'm in my 80s. Like that's so far off. It's hard to really make it a day-to-day practical reality and priority. But when I started looking at the benefits of exercise on my brain and how I'm showing up and the energy that I have to accomplish my goals, that's when it started really clicking. When I started learning things from you and from other sources about like really how it's helping fuel your brain and it's making you sharper, it's making you more creative and it's really helping regulate that stress. That's when it really clicked to me because even if I wanted to lose a few pounds or something, that wasn't as motivating to me as, oh, if I can help take some of this stress level off, I'm going to think more clearly because when my stress was at its worst, when my anxiety was at its worst, I would like lose words. I couldn't think as clearly. I wasn't as sharp. Didn't have the energy to really do the things I wanted to do. One of the things I tried to do in the book is really explain something like exercise. Like, yes, of course we know on a very basic level, everybody knows you need it, but why? And why do you need it in a way that it's going to make a difference to you and really make you care? And for me, a lot of it was the, the mental benefit and the stress reduction benefit. In all of the habits in the book, they're great where they have this ripple effect in your life and they start impacting all areas, but they're all stress reducers too. And for me, especially exercise, the number one thing I can do to really help regulate my nervous system and just really feed my brain too and and help learning and help that creativity. And when I slack off of it, 
Like I notice it. I notice that more than anything if I'm not getting that good exercise and the regular movement throughout the day. Absolutely. And you can feel the benefits of exercise immediately, right? But you can also feel the effects when you stop exercising immediately. (laughs) So it's it's a two-way street. But what I want to emphasize in what you said is everyone has to determine their deeper why. Mm -hmm. Go beyond the surface of why do you want your brain to use up new energy or extra energy to form these new neural pathways for this new thought or behavior? Mm -hmm. Because the brain doesn't like to use energy if it doesn't have to. If it ain't broke, we're not fixing it, okay? (laughs) Or if there's not enough, what you said, motivation, inspiration, or even pain (laughs) associated (laughs) with wanting to change, the brain will resist. Mm -hmm. But one thing that will push the brain to be consistent is that deeper why. First of all, knowing the purpose of why you're doing it and understanding the deeper why of what that new thought, behavior, or habit is going to do for you to propel you forward. Your brain wants you to succeed, but it also doesn't want to use up energy in a way that will drain it, right? Mm -hmm. When you talk about in your book and you go deeper with people, first of all, you're not saying it's common sense just to minimize people's thinking around these habits. You're saying, let's go deeper. Let me widen Mm-hmm. all the benefits of this particular habit because if you take on this habit then it will do all these other things yeah. that's been yeah. affecting you negatively but also it will strengthen what what you're trying to do mm-hmm. it will fuel all the things you've been trying to do but you put off because you're too stressed because you have lack of energy because you don't have the ideas because your relationship is in the toilet because you're so stressed out and you keep snapping at your spouse or your kid (laughs) so it's like a force multiplier all these habits not all a few habits (laughs) got you selected really to highlight in your book what's another habit that you brought to your world and felt it was important to share with the rest of the world. See, the other one that was really key is bringing intention and intentional planning. One thing I really realized that was a disconnect for me is I've always been this high achiever, this higher performer and striving whenever it comes to my career and the goals that I have. And what I realized was I didn't have the same intention when it came to my personal life, meaning like my physical health, really taking care of my mental health, really taking care of my relationships. I wasn't bringing that same intention and I wasn't the same high performer in my personal life as I was in my career. And I realized, wow, that's really incongruent. And the thing is, we sometimes feel like we have to choose, like we can't have both. That's probably the most common thing I hear women, especially say when I talk about the juggle between career and personal lives, they're like, yeah, I feel like I I can't have both. I feel like I have to choose. If I'm crushing it at work, I'm dropping the ball at home. And I think part of the problem there is we're not bringing the same intention to our personal lives. And we just think, oh, it'll just work itself out. Like it's just exercise or it's just, yeah, my relationship is important, but we'll be okay. And like, it'll figure itself out. But we don't do that with our careers. We know if we've got a problem with our business or our job, like we have to bring intention to it. We have to problem solve and we have to give it our our time and our focus, 
But then it's like in our personal lives, when it comes to our health or our relationships, we just feel like it's somehow going to magically work itself out and don't bring the same intention. So really that focus of intention of like, I want to be congruent in all areas, like how you do one thing is how you do all things. I wasn't necessarily right. Like I was bringing that intention to focus to my career, not so much to my relationships and to my health, my overall health. So when I really realized that disconnect there and I started bringing that intention to the rest of my life, that made a big difference and really planning because I do think like you need to know your why and your deeper purpose. But I also think if you don't have a plan, Unfortunately, the why doesn't always see you through because it can feel so big and like nebulous in the moment. Like when you're like, I'm tired. I don't really feel like working out today or whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always see you through. So I think instead of just relying on motivation or willpower or your why, I think we really need to bring that intentional planning to things. There's been so much research on this too. If you have even just a really basic plan, it can like three X your odds of success. It's been studied so many times. It doesn't have to be complicated. And again, that's a big theme of the book is I think we make this stuff way too complicated. And if we just can get to some basic practices around these good habits and then planning for them, planning So we know exactly when and where we're going to do something instead of, yeah, I'm going to start working out. Okay, great. When? (laughs) What's it going to look like? I don't know, like next week sometime, right? And then it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But if we have these plans and we also plan for the roadblocks that we know are going to come up because life is going to happen instead of just beating ourselves up because we're human and we fell off the wagon for a minute there. It's so much easier to get back on track. I'm definitely not perfect with this stuff. Like things come up, like you get busy or somebody gets sick and all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, like I haven't been good with my habits. But if you have a plan and this is what I'm going to do when things go sideways, because they will, because that's life. I think it's so much easier to get back on track with your habits. So really that intention and that planning is the other huge piece that is a thread throughout the whole book, really. That is so important to note. We go through life not really considering our brains, really. Okay. And that's part of my mission. Okay. (laughs) Our billion minds. When you are talking about intention and purpose, and now I'm bringing in mission for wanting to change behaviors or thoughts, and you're also talking about planning and setting expectations what I hear you saying is you're being a whole brain human, like you're yeah. bringing all parts of your brain to this dynamic of empowering yourself to take on this habit, to encode this habit, to create the neural pathways for this habit. You're telling your brain we're all in. It's worth it to use the mental energy because mm-hmm. you need the deeper why to be inspired because motivation has a short energy in life span, but your mission, your purpose, your deeper why will inspire you to keep going. But Mm -hmm. your left brain is like, Hey, we need some milestones. How do we know we're really reaching our goals in your prefrontal cortex? The CEO of the brain is going to say, I'm not going to make this a priority because you don't have a date. You don't have a timeline. I don't know where to fit this into all the other stuff that I have to do. So when we talk about creating new habits, our whole brain to the party. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a lot of people don't know that they need that. 
And so it's good that you talk about both. And I trained on our motor cortex that's responsible for us to execute our movements, <laughs> our to even get up and put on clothes and to go exercise and drive there and all that stuff. We have a whole part of the brain called the motor cortex. I call it the action brain, right? Mm -hmm. I like my fun names. But just having the intention to do that exercise, to say 10 o'clock, I'm going to go exercise on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. Your action brain, your motor cortex will light up even before you actually take the action. So you're already giving it instructions ahead of time and activating it. So you increase, like you said, the probability mm -hmm. that you're actually going to carry out what you said you're going to do. One of the other books that really changed me, and it reminds me of your book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective, mm -hmm. Effective People, what Dr. Stephen Covey emphasized was understanding your core values mm -hmm. and changing your paradigms and how you see yourself and how you really want to engage with the world. So I think that it was so important for you to discuss. I want to show up like this, not just in my profession, but in my personal world, because they're both important. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we need to be in conflict. I, it shouldn't be a conflict, but especially as women, we always feel like we need to sacrifice one thing for the other, our health, our time. Mm -hmm. And I always say, look, we're damn if we do and damn if we don't. So let's just go ahead and just be us and be the best us, right? In all parts of our lives, because they're intertwined. You can't show up fully for your job if your personal life and you know, your relationships and all that is going on, taking up energy in your mind. And then you won't have the mental energy to yeah. or will to go yeah. exercise. I just want to sit on the couch, yeah, eat cookies, right? Yeah. And chill out with Netflix. It's like, I yeah. can't anymore. That's not the person you wanted to be anymore. You came mm -hmm. to this, this place in your life where you didn't want to be that anymore. Thank you for bringing that all together. So what are a couple of tips? I know you talked about planning. Intention is yeah. a huge piece. And I know a lot of people want to get on the exercise train, <laughs> but they don't necessarily know how to be consistent. Besides intention and planning, what else would you say people can do right away just to really get that going? I think start small and keep it simple. And if you can make it fun. I think those things always help in like exercise is a great example. Like sometimes we think, okay, if I'm gonna work out, like it's gotta be an hour and I gotta have some equipment or I gotta go to the gym and it's gotta look fancy or something. But I think it, we, again, we're making it too complicated. And there's been so much research about the benefit of even just a tiny bit of exercise every day. Two minutes of intense exercise has long lasting impacts, even on your longevity. There's been a lot of research around that in the past couple of years. And we talk about it a lot in the book of start small. If you can't do an hour, that's fine. Two minutes, get your heart pumping. You're going to see some benefits from that. And make it fun. If you hate to run, don't run. Don't make yourself go run. <laughs> Why do that to yourself? I have friends that hula hoop and they love it. Feels like dancing. They've lost weight. Find the thing. Have a dance party in your office. Hula hoop. Do whatever. Run with your dog and play. 
whatever you need to do, but try to find something that is going to be a slog and that you're going to make yourself miserable. Like, why do we do that to ourselves? Find something that you actually enjoy. And I do believe there's something everybody can find that they enjoy. Get your heart pumping for a few minutes every day and just start there. Don't feel like you have to get a gym membership or you have to like train for a marathon to get yourself healthy. Just start with something small and then you can build up from there. But if you can't fit in two minutes a day, you definitely need to look at your schedule because even the busiest amongst us can find that two minutes a day. So just start there, That's start small. Different conversation. That's a different kind of help. Yeah, <laughs> Two minutes, right? Yeah. You jump in jacks really quickly, yeah. right? And I know we sit a lot more as human beings, but our bodies are made to move, yes. right? And so when we do feel sluggish because mm-hmm. we've been sitting all day, just simply, like you said, getting up, stretching, doing 10, 20 jumping jacks can make all the difference. And mm-hmm. a lot of people need to figure out what stops them from exercising. Do a baseline, take inventory of why you don't exercise. Yeah. And then once you bring that to the conscious, the forefront, now you can start setting some expectations, countering those thoughts and those reasons with something, like you said, doing something fun, because maybe you think it's boring. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so what can you think about doing that's not boring? Mm -hmm. For some people, it's the hassle of leaving the house. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have so much work to do. I don't have another hour or two to drive to the place, do the exercise and come back, take a shot. It's a lot. You do have to respect our time, right? And you don't have to leave the house. (laughs) If you're hula hooping, to yeah. your favorite music, which is boosting dopamine, because now you're listening to your favorite music and you're mm-hmm. making it fun. So what else in your brain can you recruit that serotonin, that dopamine and make it fun as well, because you're most likely to do it. And so yeah. I really appreciate that tip. Start small, go back to being playful because adulting is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Find the joy where you can get it, right? But I call exercise snacks. It can be like this little bite-sized workout. It doesn't have to be this whole show that you do in this whole rigmarole. Find something simple and small. And also you hit on this is the regular movement, just plain moving. So many of us are so bad. You think we were literally chained to our desk. And sometimes it's because we're in flow and we're really loving what we're doing. Sometimes it's just because we're distracted. If we're honest, we're like bouncing around from one thing to another. And then it's, oh, shoot, like it's been like three hours that I've been sitting here. And one thing I talk about in the book is if one of your excuses is like, I got so much to do, I got, I'm not going to be as productive if I'm getting up. Truth is like our brains can only (laughs) run for so long, but without a break, right? Like we're not really at our sharpest and we're not really at our most productive if we're just working and working endlessly for hours and hours at a time. And we're actually going to be more productive and more efficient and more effective if we take those breaks. And it doesn't have to be a long break. Get up for a couple of minutes, walk, walk to the kitchen, get something to drink, let the dog out, whatever, just get up for a few minutes and move. There's again, more research out about the fact that if you are, even if you're doing that good workout in the morning, if you're then sitting 
for the entire rest of the day, you're almost undoing the good that you did in the workout. And you're definitely not really truly benefiting yourself because yeah, the workout is great. But then if you just sit for 12, 14 hours at your desk, and then maybe in front of a TV, and you've not moved regularly during the day, you're doing yourself harm. They call setting the new smoking for a reason because of the health impact. Absolutely. And for the ladies who are trying to lose a couple of pounds, we have this enzyme called lipase that cuts the fat from our fat cells. Okay. (laughs) But when we're sitting all day, that enzyme is reduced in activity. So that's just another incentive. Mm -hmm. Give Give your brain some reasons to get up and move. But also be mindful and start listening to your body. Your Mm -hmm. body is always talking to you and it knows when you need a break, when you need to get up and stretch, when you need to go out and get some sun. Listen to your inner wisdom as well. And your book is full of wisdom. And I always say that we're in the age of neural wisdom where we started off really simple as human beings. We're now in this very complex part of this experience. But wisdom means we go back to the most simplest, chorus truths. And that is really what your book encompasses. We go back to what those simple, common sense truths are. And we're going to take them to another level of understanding and wisdom for ourselves individually, because we're all on this individual journey so that we can truly empower ourselves and go to the next level of ourselves. So thank you for sharing. And Julie, just to wrap it up, what is your mission for the world? My mission is really to empower ambitious professionals to figure this stuff out so that they realize that if they want to unlock their full potential, if they really are up to big things in the world, which I think everybody listening to this is, it's not just about striving more and hustling all the time, we're not going to unlock that potential just by focusing on achievements in our careers. It really is bringing that balance and being that whole person and prioritizing our mindset and our health and our relationships as much as we prioritize our career success. And if we really do that, if we can find some way to prioritize all the things and find that balance, I think that's when we really unlock our potential. Because even if you're putting all your focus on the things that you're ambitious about, you're not going to get there because you're not going to be a fully balanced person. And you're going to be missing those things that can really fuel you and really take you to that next level. So I just really want to bring this conversation to the forefront. So people realize I don't have to choose. I don't have to choose between the career and the personal life. And it's not really benefiting my mission. It's not really benefiting me in any way. If I do choose, like we need both for whole humans. We need to prioritize both. So that's really my mission. It's one I hope I'll see shift in my lifetime. I don't know, but I think we've seen some progress on it, but I think we just need to keep talking about this stuff more and making it more common grounds for everybody to discuss. I so agree with that. We're distracted. There's a lot of information. One thing you said is in your book is that we're not lacking in advice. We're drowning in it. Yeah. (laughs) We're not lacking in information. We're drowning in it. But it's time to put what we can into action that's going to benefit us individually first so we can show up as our most powerful selves. And that doesn't mean we have to do all the things. Sometimes we just need a few good 
habits. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, where can people find your book? Uh, when is it coming out? And how can they find you and learn more about what you do? Yeah. So the book will be out on Amazon on October 5th. In the meantime, if anybody wants a little sneak peek, the first chapter you can actually read for free on my website. So my site is coachjulielow.com and the free chapter is on there. And as soon as it goes live on October 5th, you'll be able to grab it off of the site as well. Wonderful. We'll make sure we put those links in the show notes. It's been wonderful having a conversation with you today, Julie. I know you're going to empower a lot of minds and I just encourage everyone to come back and listen to this dynamic conversation and to give yourself grace, get Mm -hmm. the book. (laughs) It's a great layout on how it's written. And it just, it's like you're talking to a friend having your coffee or tea. So thank you so much again, Julie, for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Remember, when you better your mind and better your brain, everyone, you can better your impact in the world. And all it takes is a few good habits. See you next time. Did you like this episode? Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and share with a friend. And if you consider yourself a modern thinker and if you want free mindset success tools and more tips and strategies on how to use neuroscience in your everyday life and how to stay motivated and inspired to live your best self. Come visit me at ShantaeTaylor.com, enter your name and email address and sign up for my newsletter. Remember, when you better your mind, you better your brain, you better your impact.